Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pesky Home Podcast. How are you guys doing today? Joining me because, and I will I will out them on this, because they, they know damn well the Gone Bridge Boys flaked on me. Screw those guys. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You're stuck with Adam. Adam, how does it feel being plan B? Fuck you. <laughs> no, I well, originally I was supposed to have the Gombridge boys on this week, but a lot of scheduling errors happened and couldn't get a show off with them this week. It happens, you know. But you were you that's why I messaged you on a Sunday morning saying, please come back to the show. Any comment? Let's just start the show. <laughs> Pesky Pool Nation. Adam's already gone. Pesky Pool Nation, how y'all doing today? We got quite a bit to talk about. The Red Sox haven't been good since the trade deadline. Haven't been bad. We need to talk about the trade deadline because I didn't even do an episode last week because I was moving. So we got quite a bit to talk about. Trade deadline. Adam, remember when the uh, – well, first I should say this. I put out a poll on Pesky Pool Nation. If you don't already follow the Instagram, get on there. Make sure you get in with the Pesky Pole Nation. I believe there's like only 28 people in there. I need more people in there, even though I love those 28 that are in there. I need more. So if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, help me out with some of the shows and stuff, all that, Pesky Pole Nation. I asked them right before the trade deadline. I said, with this Red Sox recent hot streak, because if you remember about two, three weeks ago, the Red Sox were on the midst of a hot streak, and they had an easy schedule up till the trade deadline. And we were like, do they buy, do they sell, or do they do nothing? I was still adamant with selling. Adam was team buy. Adam wanted to see a splash made, which I don't blame him, you know, recency bias and all that. But the majority of Pesky Pole Nation said do nothing. And it seems like the Red Sox took that to heart. Selling off Kike for two relievers, which was still a good trade in my opinion. I still support that trade. And then only getting back, who is it, Luis Arias, who's been good, but they've, they've done nothing. And it's shown in the record. Adam, what do you think? Well, you can make an argument for both between buying and selling, but I think the mm-hmm. worst thing they could have done was done nothing. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if, you, if you do something – in the in the way of let's say you're selling, okay, you're going to get some really good prospects for James Paxton and Justin Turner, and Adam Duvall because they're well. at their not not so much Duvall, but at least for Paxton and Turner because they were on a hot streak. Their Duvall would get something much too. higher. His, his batting average was in the two sixties, and he he was he can hit. Um, if they bought, if they bought. That's a that's a similar situation. That that's very that's a very productive thing to do. And you probably make the playoffs and you probably get better pitching and you don't wind up in the mess you're in right now. But doing nothing, like why are we kind of floundering between not, you know, not buying in but also not selling and kicking the can further down the road? Why are we like we're we're going to waste a perfectly good year from Justin Turner? You're not using him to get prospects, and you're not using him to contend it as well. So why is he here? 
Why? There's, same with James Paxton. No Why is he here? It's it, like, and it was the same last year with uh, Michael Waka. Why is he here? Why did he come here and have a career year since back in his from back in his uh, back in his St. Louis Cardinals days? Mm-hmm. Why are we bringing in these veterans, getting actual good value out of them, and then not trading them away for any value or using them to contend? One way or the other, this was the worst thing you could have possibly done. No, one one hundred percent. This, I mean, I I get it because they were like, yeah, we're gonna lose Xander, but we can go the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay method. These three guys can make up the production for what this one guy does, and all this blah blah blah. Sure, we can bring in the geriatric home. We'll be okay, and it just never panned out. It, well, each of the three guys somewhat panned out in their way. Justin Turner. Has had a very good season. No disrespect to him. Adam Duvall, decent season. Michael Waka, eh, not so much. But Michael those Waka? those three guys. Was it Waka? I meant James Paxton. Well, Paxton Paxton was last. But I was year's talking. Signing, I was right? talking about. I was well. Yeah, Paxton is here, right? Are you, mm-hmm. are you talking about uh, Corey Kluber? Uh Kluber, yes. Yeah, Kluber he hasn't. Sucks. He hasn't been good. My fault. That's a different. But that, like, that's a different conversation That's, to be had about mm-hmm. about uh Heim Bloom's approach to getting new starting pitchers which has actually mo- for the most part been really really successful. You brought in Michael uh you brought in Michael Waka, Rich Hill, James Paxton, Corey Kluber. 3 out of those 4 panned out. So I'd say that's pretty successful. Mm-hmm. But if you're not going to use that to contend or be at least be competitive. Why are they here? They've all gone. They've and they've all moved on to new to new teams, and have been successful there. So why why are we not trading them away? Or why are we not taking them and running with them and saying let's contend with this group and let's and let's reinvest into the team? So the the only the only way I can I can justify this is maybe internally they're saying, look, next year's our year. We can maybe get another piece or two in. Maybe they think my year will be ready in a year, which I don't think so. I think he no. needs two more. Um, but Mayor's maybe we'll, going to need a few years. But Maybe we'll go get somebody uh, in free agency, just one. Maybe their their hope is, yeah, we're just one piece away. We, we can do it. We're just one piece away. No, the fuck, you're not one piece away. Justin Turner is going to be 39 next year. I mean – what Waka is 36. Chris Martin, who's been one of our better pitchers, especially this month, is 37 years old. We have so many guys 35 plus that we if, if this is the team, if you believe that this is the team to win it, you can't say next year. Because yeah. father time is a finicky thing. And he will t- take whoever he wants at whatever time. There are very few people who can beat t- father time. Tom Brady's one of them. I don't know about Justin Turner. I don't think James Paxton at 34 has much left in the tank. Chris Martin's probably going to fall off next year. I mean, what else? Corey Kluber's already gone from this team. Screw him. I, I, I don't see what the plan is. I would rather be somebody like in the bottom. Well, not the Chicago White Sox. They're, they're a hot mess. But I'd rather be some team at like the bottom of the league, but at least have a direction. 
rather than be a team in the middle and say, okay, are we selling? Because if we're selling, why didn't we sell at the deadline? Are we buying? Because if we're buying, why why didn't we buy at the deadline? You can't tell me next year because everyone's so freaking old. There's no winning here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't understand it, man. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And um, I think I think the way that he's looking at it with these prospects when he says let's not buy, I think it's a little f- I think it's a little flawed because yeah, sure. You want to hang on to your future. You want to hold on to your blue chip prospects. But the reality is how many of these guys actually pan out? Look towards look towards la- the the previous generation of Red so- of Red Sox prospects that Dave Dombrowski had. He traded a lot of them off. But notice how many of those actually panned out. The guys who he traded away. Yoan Moncada, who was the best prospect in all of baseball, turned out to be a massive bust over in Chicago. That's, that's an understatement. Exactly. Remember Manny Bargo? No. He's barely in the league right now. So that's what I'm saying. He So David Dombrowski is the perfect example of a, of a guy who knows how to pick and choose which guys are going to pan out and which which ones won't. He could have easily traded away Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, Rafi Devers, but he knew those guys were going to pan out. He knew they were going to work out. He kept Eddie Rodriguez too to a low, to a lesser extent. Andrew Benintendi. He knew we which guys were going to Rod, by the way. Winch probably. Which is my point. He knew who to trade and who not to trade, and he was money at it. That is not what Heim Bloom does, and it's extremely flawed. A lot of these small market small market teams do this. They will hang on to every prospect they have at every position, and they will say, okay, we have seven guys at the shortstop position who could potentially do it. If one of those guys pans out, then it will work out. If one of those guys pans out at second base, then it works out. But all of those guys who you kept, who at one point had very high value and turned out to be bust, you got nothing for that. It's like stocks. Mm-hmm. Buy low, sell high. Yeah. And, I mean, that's something that we did with – well, not really bought low. I'll put that in quotations. $10 million isn't really low. But that's something you could have done with Justin Turner. Bought him at $10 million. Hoped he had a good season. Red Sox are mid. Trade him off. Get a good prospect. Send him back. If, if, if they could have possibly packaged uh, Justin Turner and Kike Hernandez into that Dodgers trade and gotten maybe a third prospect back or another better reliever or a higher up prospect, I would have been very happy with that. I'm not mad at the Kike trade, but I would have rather had something, always want something more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I, I just don't understand why. And, I mean, it, it, looks, it looks in the standings too. Right now, right? Just just going off a wild card because Baltimore's still the number one in the A at least. Shocking, I know. They've been the they're the best team in the AL right now. It's thanks to Adley Rutschman, who just embodies a winning culture, apparently. Uh Baltimore, uh, Texas, and Minnesota are your division leaders, which is sad that Minnesota is because the Red Sox are ahead of them by a game and a half. Tampa Bay. First wild card at 75 wins. Houston second at 70. Seattle snuck in there at 69 wins. 
Seattle went on a hot streak. You know what Seattle nice. did at the deadline, Adam? You know what Seattle did? They bought. They said, you know what? If we want to get that one of those wild card spots, we need to buy. You know what Houston did at the deadline? They bought. They bought. And they got a damn good pitcher out of it, too. You know what Toronto did at the deadline? They bought. They bought. You know what the All 2004 Red Sox did at the deadline? What they do? They bought. They bought. They were also, if you if you look back at that season, they were not that good at the deadline. They could if they, if Heim if Heim Bloom ran the 2004 Red Sox, that team would probably never have won the World Series. I'm just saying. If Heim Bloom ran that team, they would never have won. Also, if Heim Bloom ran the 2019 Nationals, who were the worst team in baseball at the at the half point, would yeah, never have won shocking. the World Series. I'm just saying, I like mean, we we keep playing. It's just it's just such a flawed mindset to go with this this analytics approach with all the machines numbers on a numbers on a on a spreadsheet, like the projections. They don't always. It doesn't always work out that way. Just because the team looks like it's not going to be much doesn't mean it will be. Especially in mm-hmm. the MLB where anything could happen. It's become about making the postseason. Make the tournament. Like, did we ever see the 2021 Red Sox doing anything? Not really. Once they made it to the postseason, it's like, maybe they do something. But it's just, the whole thing's just ridiculous. It. They should... So- um, they need to, a direction. So with you talking about the 04 Red Sox, they actually technically sold slightly because that was the year they got rid of Nomar at the trade line, at the trade deadline. Yeah. And they got back uh, Cabrera from the Expos and Doug Minkovitz, which is a name I haven't heard in a minute from the Twins. And that was their trade deadline. So, it, but... Point still stands. Bye. If if you feel you're, because why? And, and this is and this is something we've talked about before that I'll bring up again for newer um, viewers. We we've said this before. I I think that the Red Sox are just buying because jobs are on the line. Kyle Bloom's job might be on the line. Heads might be rolled if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs again. But is making the playoffs just for shits and gigs? Just for making the playoffs? That's not good enough. I don't want to be the team that's the seventh team in the playoffs and bounced out in the first round thanks to um, either Texas, Tampa Bay, whoever, spanking our asses in the first round or in the wild card. I'd rather be a team that doesn't make the playoffs, gets a better draft pick, and gets to gets to that glory later with a good team that can eventually win the championship. I know what you're going to say once you make the dance, anything's possible, and that's true. But statistically, it's not that likely. You know what I mean? It. I, I don't. No, I don't know. I mean, like it, just I'm, because it's not. If the team looks competitive and they look like they're gaining momentum, then you you at least buy a little. I'm not asking you to go all out to try and, but give them something. Give them mm-hmm. something to improve the team. Right, like if we're just going to go in for, um, let's say in a rebuild process, it'll be a five-year rebuild, 
And in those five years, you're only going to win to be in contention once. And then after that year, or maybe two, then you're into another five year rebuild. Are you really in for that? No. Two years I'd and rather... ten, two years and ten seasons where you're com- where you're competing. That doesn't seem like a very rational way to look at things. Why are we watching baseball at that point if we're only in it to just win one World Series within five years in that no, rebuild I, process? I want to see my team repeatedly at least be competitive. You know, I want to watch my team be a star-studded team that has competence at the managerial level at the gm level to say okay these guys are future are key cornerstones they don't have to be stars but they can be someone who's always amazing off the bench you know like some of our former utility brock holt being one you know that's a guy that you look at and you're like yeah that's not a star but that's a franchise cornerstone that can help off the bench during the regular season and the playoffs if you can just find guys like that you're going to be competitive but that also comes with a competent GM. And right now, Kyle's not doing that. He hasn't done it since he's been here. He was he was brought in in what, 2020? It was 19. 19? No, it was it, 2020. It was 20. It was 20. Yes, because after after the they missed the playoffs in 19, Dabrowski said, fuck this, I'm out. And he read the writing on the wall. And let's and let's 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 call a spade a spade. Dave Dombrowski is brought in for a team to get rid of all of your um get rid of all of your prospects and go on a world series run one maybe two if you're lucky whether you win that world series run not up to him but he will get you to the world series at least once yeah, and that's what dombrowski that. does and then you're screwed <laughs> sure you know because you lost all your prospects i can't help but notice that his prospects are panning out which is what you talked about earlier yeah yeah brian bayo was a is a Dave Dombrowski guy. Yep. Sadon C- Raffaella is a Dave Dombrowski guy. Is he really? I thought yeah. he was drafted. What year was he drafted? I thought he was drafted in 20. He was brought in and he was brought in a lot earlier than that, I believe. But oh, um, I, Tristan I'm, Cassis I, was also. My, my fault. I'm thinking you're of thinking Mayer. Of my, you're thinking my, of Mayer. It, it's Mayer, by the way. Um, Got to get it right. Don't, especially don't for a Red Sox podcast. Don't disrespect me on my own show. Hey, you do it on my show all the time. Yes, but you're a little biatch, so I can do whatever I want. Well, okay? you're a little biatch. Hey, hey, hey. Don't disrespect me on my own show, okay? All right. Well, <laughs> say, uh, listen, most of the top prospects we're panning out right now are all Dombrowski guys. Mm-hmm. I also can't help but notice that um, – May, uh, Mayor is struggling mightily right now in Portland. I saw something about that. Yeah, one eighty nine batting average, six oh nine OPS. He is doing. He is having a really, really hard time adjusting to the next level, which Man. has me a little worried. I wouldn't be too worried if it were early on, but when I last checked, he was batting in the two forties. It was about. A, it was a few weeks ago. The fact that he's gotten worse since then is getting to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And this being in 169 at bats over there, more but, but than the he thing, had in Greenville. The thing with him though is he's only 19. You know, know. if he's got to spend if he's got to spend 19 and 20 in Double A, and hopefully be up with the Red Sox by the time he's 21, 22, 
I'm still fine with that. And you're going to have guys struggle in Portland. I don't know why, but it seems like most guys just struggle when they're up in Portland. Unless it's Rafaela. Yes, he's doing then, awesome. Then he just tears it up everywhere. But that's that's another story to be – Yes. To, to um, It's another by, conversation to be had. By the way, did you see the one guy who plays for the Phillies? Uh, the one guy, 21-year-old. I can't remember his name. Uh, let me look it up. Uh, okay. Give me one second. Uh, but he just got promoted to the majors. Yep. And he's only been in the league. He was only in uh, the the minors for six weeks. Okay. I. Uh, what's this guy's name? This is gonna piss me off, but it's it's nuts. He was batting like three seventy in the double A, and they said, "Screw it, we need help now." I uh, what's name? Some people are probably yelling at me while watching this, but it's all where right. was where was this? I'm sorry, I was looking at the uh, prospects list. You're fine. Um, where is I? I know Raphael. I I know Raphael Devers. At, uh, actually said that they this team needs pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't find it. Whatever. Um, but let's let's look over some stats right now. For the team, um, just over the past month, so the past thirty days. Actually, you know what? Let's just do the month of August. So, well, close enough. We'll do the last fifteen days. Okay. Well, the month of August is kind of is kind of tricky because they're they've won nine of their last thirteen games. Believe it or not. I know, but, but it... so let me tell you this though. Remember those? Then reminder: this is in a fifteen-game stretch. Uh, those shortstop woes that we've had. They're getting better. Pablo Reyes has batted. He's had the most at-bats in the past 15 days with 48. He's batting 396. Devers at at 341. Yoshida struggled at 214. Verdugo's at 225. Story is at 205. Duvall, 211. Casas, 270, which is good. Turner, throughout the past month, he's been batting 300. Uh, Jaron Duran, falling back down to earth. He's at a 167. Uh, Connor Wong, Grace McGuire. We don't talk about those two. And by the way, can we talk? I know this happened a while ago, but can we talk about Reese McGuire against the Blue Jays? You remember we, that play? No, we can't. We can't. We're not. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we're not. That's not. We're not talking about this. This guy finds ways to embarrass himself in completely. He new finds ways. ways to embarrass us to the point where we're just we're we're. I'm getting really impressed at this point. I'm getting really pissed at this point, but anyway, so, um, let me, let me just explain this. I'm that day I'm out door dashing. Right. And I get, um, I have to door dash to this pizza spot called Perry's and I show up and they have the Sox game on. And all I see is just pop fly caught thrown back to second. And I'm like, did the Red Sox really just lose the game by getting doubled off? So then I pick up the pizza order cause it's ready and I leave. And that's why I texted you. And I'm like, the Red Sox just lost on a, Easy pop fly double play. And then I see it on Instagram about 20 minutes later. I'm like, this fucking guy. Oh my God. I was, I, first of all, I forgot he was even in the majors. Second off, I was so pissed. It's terrible, man. I don't, I don't understand how we deal with it for this long. 
he kind of can hit. Like he he's actually they they found a good hitter. He's just dumb as a moose. I see I see now why he made the decision to not to do it in his car instead of waiting to go to like his apartment or something. Yeah, let's 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 leave it he did that. what he needed Any, to do. Any anyone anyone that's confused as a look up Reese McGuire on Google, you'll understand or go back to our 2022 trade deadline episode and Adam and I had a field day on that episode. That was that was a fun episode. Indecent exposure. Yes. That's putting it lightly. Yeah. Anyway, move, moving on from him. Uh, Christian Arroyo, this happened a little while ago, but haven't been able to cover it. DFA'd after they brought in Luis Arias, who, like I said, has been doing good since he's been here, batting about 300. Um, but Christian Arroyo just hasn't been doing good this year. What used to be a top prospect for us came up and was like, okay, this guy's this guy's a utility guy for us. This guy's an infield utility, could play some right field too. He could be something decent for us. And then he just shat the bed out of nowhere. I'm surprised he just wasn't traded at the deadline. I feel like someone like the Phillies could have used him so and he could have plugged in so easily. But they just decided they couldn't probably couldn't get anything for him. You know, and he's been playing yeah. down triple A. Adam, what's the what's the scoop on him at triple A? He's batting a buck fifty nine and forty four at bats. Awesome. He sucks. Okay. Yeah. How's 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 the eye test though? How's the eye test? Eye test. Yes. Um, I haven't noticed his presence. His defense has been fine. <laughs> they've been using him. They've been using him at shortstop. So he's he's kind of been a middle infielder for them and second base yeah. as well. His defense has been fine. There hasn't been any issues with defense, but his oh his batting sucks. And you just know you just don't notice the big league player down there. It's the same thing with Yu Chang. I I've mentioned just you realize how in some ways AAA and the major leagues aren't that far off. Right, like you, you think some mm-hmm. players are going to tear it up in AAA because they weren't able to hit in the big leagues, and then they suck there too. Yeah. I th- like I remember, I remember seeing Corey Kluber, and I know it's Corey Kluber. He's old. I thought when he they sucks. had an outing with him, when he was going to start, I was like, "Cool, we'll have a good start. You know, we'll get out of here quickly. We'll be able to go home. It will. It'll be a pitcher's duel." He got lit up like a Christmas tree in that one outing. It was bad. This Remember guy, when he was like, our opening day starter too. Yeah, well, you you will see on in some with some players they tear it up in AAA and then they can't hit in the big leagues. There are some who can do who can't do it in both, but somehow yeah. still manage to play in the big leagues. It's bad, man. But getting getting back to Arroyo, I I honestly felt like he could have been something good for the Red Sox as a utility guy, someone to come off the bench, give the starters a rest. Even someone to maybe be a pinch hitter in a playoff game, I'd be fine with. But hasn't been the case. DFA'd off the 40-man. Rocking in AAA. It was the 25th Sucks. overall pick in 2013. Jeez. Anyway, moving on. So apparently this happened recently. I don't know if you've heard about this. But uh, Jason Veritek, who we know and love, Will always respect him. Apparently, 
they are devising a plan to start making the Red Sox kind of like this underdog superhero story. Okay. So um, there's this old superhero called the underdog from a 1960s cartoon. And they have uh, this little, they basically Jason Veritek took the logo of this superhero, put it on a t-shirt and gave it to Alex Cora who wore it out. And Alex Cora's just like, yeah, I'm fine with us being called underdogs. We're really going to buckle into that mentality. And well, let's be honest, because it wasn't him who was buying or selling at the trade deadline. It was kind. It wasn't him. And they and did you uh, say Kime? Kime. Kime Bloom. Yep. So it, it was him who was making the decisions, not Cora. So Cora's his coach, Cora's his manager. So basically, they're um the Red Sox are already saying, you know, we should have bought at the deadline, but we're gonna make this team work. And so they're trying to buy into this underdog mentality which actually really pisses me off. You're not 2003. This is not 20 years ago with the Johnny Damon-led Cowboy Up squad. You're not the underdogs. You're a team that has vastly, it just lacks any sort of consistency. Your pitching staff is mid at best because it's injured to hell and back. Chris Sale ain't doing anything really great for this team, and he's supposed to be our ace making $29 million. It, I, I don't understand why this team is just. I mean, I, I get it from the team standpoint. You know, you got to work with what you got, but there's not much there to work with. I know? like the I like the us versus them mentality. I do, but mm-hmm. when it, when you do when you do that when you say like everyone doesn't believe believe in you, that has to be from from outside the organization not with from within so when the gm is saying you guys are underdogs and then going in going on to not do anything about it then it just tells you that he's just basically finding a a nice way to say the team sucks a team of his Mm -hmm. creation of his creating by the way so that, that it's not really an underdog mentality you're just saying that this team sucks and finding ways to market it yeah. Throwing so, shit at the um, wall and hoping it, sti- hoping it sticks. True Adam catchphrase right there. So apparently um, after the sweep against the Yankees, and I'm just going to read this straight from the article I'm reading from N- um, NBC or NBC Sports. Uh, Kenley Jansen summoned Cora out of his post-game press conference to fire up the troops and a beer-soaked Cora also reacted with I don't give an F defiance by ripping the bad umpiring that led to his ejection, which the umpiring was terrible. Um, It's entirely possible that reality will derail the Red Sox in Houston this week, especially with Mookie Betts and the Turbotard Chargers coming to Boston right after. But in the meantime, Cora advertising his chief baseball officer's words qualifies as a fascinating development. It's not like this is an isolated incident before the trade deadline. Cora said, quote, it's about winning not prospect rankings. Then after being swept by the Blue Jays and benching outfielder Alex Verdugo in early August, he noted everyone needs to be available, um, pointedly including analysts on his list. So, yep. I mean, I, I the, the first paragraph that I read there, I don't like how 
they're celebrating a sweep versus the Yankees. I mean, yes, it's what you want, and it's the Yankees, so you want to always be better than the Yankees. But the Yankees are dog shit this year. They're they're absolutely atrocious. Yeah, yeah. And going going off of that, uh, someone someone chimed in on these comments and the whole underdog thing. Someone chimed in on that. Uh, old friend of ours. I don't know. I actually don't know how you feel about this guy. All star closer, Jonathan Papelbon. Okay, what do you say? Well, well, first, what are your thoughts on um, thoughts on Papelbon? He's a personality, um, but he was an incredibly talented player, and he was a great closer for him for a few years. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I I think he he when he talks about the Red Sox, I think he shows his passion and just the fact that he works for the for Nesson now, you know, shows us how much he really loves Boston. Yeah. So apparently also um Bloom kind of called the team underdogs also, and this is what Applebon had to say about it, and I quote, "If your general manager is saying you're underdogs, and why should we add on? How do you think everyone feels around here?" So to me, the statements is everything, and that puts the mood. Oh, sorry, and that puts the mood is oh well, we're not going to win. So what else do you expect if the general manager is going to create that mood around here and in this city? Why should we expect them to be in the playoffs? You do not win a championship and go far in the postseason without management having your back, not only in the media but on the team. You don't have front office staff and players all protecting each other, having each other's back, trying to do something special. You just don't win. Some interesting comments. I mean, because like I said earlier in the episode, you know, you can have this underdog mentality all you want, and you can try and make it as the seventh team in the playoffs, but statistically it's not likely that you're going to be in there. You know? And if that's if that's the kind of mood you're going to have, you being underdogs, that's basically saying, oh, yeah, it's most likely we're not going to win, but let's root for our team anyway. Yep. You know? And, I mean, the Red Sox have been not great. Oh, actually, they've been decent since the deadline, but going against a really bad Yankees team to get three or four wins helps. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it helps being able to beat up on bad teams. Like, you're supposed to beat – that's half of the job in the MLB regular season. Just, um, you know, yeah. we expect more consistency. If they did this and if, – if they won 9 of 13 in their previous stretch right before that wasn't so bad, then they would probably be in the postseason right now. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Like so they, here's the they, problem. This is the, this is the way the Red Sox have been all season long. They've been up and down. We've been right. high on the team. Then we've then we've said, you know what, this team stinks, and but some of li- that would be figured out if they would just invest in this team. Mm-hmm. Pitching, need it. Everyone's been injured to hell and back. Need but pitching. Even, even, need solid but even that offense has been good. Even without the injuries, they just that you can't get away with doing a bullpen a bullpen day two out of your five days. Yeah, like they don't even have two starters. They 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 go with. It's been for a for a month and a half. It was Bayo, Paxton, Cutter, Crawford, and then the other two guys 
It would be bullpen days. Brendan Burr and Dino coming in to pitch an inning and then automatically getting then you then you pass it off to to Pavetta, which is weird for seven innings. Yeah, like I like Pavetta, but why can't you just start him? Why Mm. not put him in the starting lineup? That was weird. No idea. But the thirteen games that you're referencing, Adam, our opponents there were the Royals, who are one of the worst teams in the AL, the Tigers, who are one of the worst teams in the AL, the Nationals, who I believe are the worst team in the NL, and the Yankees, who have been atrocious. Certainly, but their struggles haven't been against. Their struggles have been mainly against teams that have been good teams. That so listen, their next games all the way up until um, the end of the month, next nine games or ten games, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes, ten games. Next ten games are seven against the Astros and three against the Dodgers. Realistically, I don't see them winning more than four of those. I say they're going to win three, but I don't see a world where they win more than four. How many do you think out of a four-game series versus the Astros, three games versus the Dodgers at home? uh, So I I should preface it with this. The games, the first series against the Astros, the four-game series is going to be away in Houston. Uh, the second stretch is going to be home against the Dodgers, and the third is going to be home against the Astros. I don't think it matters. After that, their schedule gets a little bit easier with Royals, Rays. Actually, no, it doesn't. Royals, Rays, Orioles, Yankees, Blue Jays. Doesn't really get better. <laughs> this next month is tough. And then the Rangers after that. So the next full month, they have two easy series. Versus the Royals, one versus the Royals, and one versus the Yankees. Other than that, they have the Dodgers, the Astros twice, Blue Jays, Orioles, Rays, and Rangers. That is a tough schedule to end out the year. A little bit. Because then after that, to finish out the year, you have White Sox, Rays, O's. That's a tough schedule, Adam. I don't see how they get through there. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm there's not there's there's not really much else to say, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, they didn't. Heimblum did not reinvest in this team and during the deadline, and they could use this help right now. Mm-hmm. And Lord knows, but that is all that I got for today. We have one more segment that we always put at the end. Typically, I'll go over to football or something, but. Today, we're going to stick with baseball. Today, we're going to stick with the Red Sox. Okay? You guys can play along at home as well. Um, But, Adam, you are going to name me, or I'm going to name you five Red Sox players from our lifetime. So, I'm going to say from about 2004 and on. And you have to rank them in order without knowing who's next. Okay. Okay? Yep. This is going to be difficult. Starting off. First, we're going to stick with someone who is homegrown on the team currently, Brian Bayo. Brian Bayo? One through five. One being the best, five being the worst. Ooh, I'll put him four. I think that's a good spot to put him. Just because he hasn't done much with the team yet? Hasn't done much with the team yet, but he's still been good enough so that you can't put him last. True. Number two, legend, Hall of Famer, Dustin Pedroia. 
Dustin Pedroia. I'll put him. I'll put him second. Put him second. Okay. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's a good. I think he's a really good player, and obviously he's a Hall of Famer for the Red Sox. Okay. Third. Not sure really how you feel about this guy, Rick Porcello. Porcello. Ooh, put him. Put him last. I love Rick. Last. I love me some Rick Porcello, but put him last. Oh no! He's my favorite bad player. <laughs> Adam, you're you're gonna re- you're gonna regret that decision. Oh God! Next up, it's Pablo Sandoval. Uh, I have no choice but to put him third, which is yeah. kind of. I'll say that's no. No, that's kind no, of valid. Don't justify it. No, as a Red no. Sox, he was not that good. Actually, he was terrible as a Red. That's Sox. what we're talking about here. Okay. So you're saying right yeah. now? So so Sandoval. If I wasn't blindly ranking, I probably would have put him last. But I I don't feel that bad putting him third because he was a really good player by the time they signed him, and for a month like, he was actually really good for the Red Sox. I felt a like month. your list was Out really of the three, decent. Out of the three years that he is that he was on the roster, that he was on the team, he probably had one month of good. One baseball. good month. Yes. Where he we were like, damn, him and Hanley are going to be awesome. Then it all just went to shit. So you want to know your number one player? Who is it going to be? Your number one player is going to be the man, the myth, the legend himself, Pokey Reese. Hmm. Pedroia would have been first. Look, looking hindsight, Pedroia would have been one. Probably Pokey at two, Porcello at th- maybe Bayo at four or three, Porcello at four, Pablo at five. Yeah. So, you know, not you you just completely screwed yourself putting Porcello at five. I don't know why you did that. Porcello sucks. <laughs> He's terrible. He had that one Cy Young season he pulled out of his ass and he went right back to being Rick Porcello. He sucks. <laughs> He had like two. He had two good seasons in his entire career, and one of those wasn't even with Boston. It was with Detroit. Okay, I so love let me him to you. death. He was. He's such. He has a great attitude, and he just brings a winning mentality to the team. But if only he could bring that to himself, because he blows. He won so, Cy Young, and that was it. Yeah. So let me ask you this: um, If remember, he played five seasons with the Red Sox. If you if Brian Bayo retired today, would you rather have Brian Bayo's career or Rick Porcello's? Rick Porcello's. So Rick Porcello at three, Bayo at four, Pablo at five. Well, that's because Rick Porcello had that one Cy Young year. What and, year was that? Was that sixteen? And even and he was still a bottom of the rotation starter. Like he was yes, okay. He was. He was good enough to be a big league starter, but well, in, in in that one year, let's let's just let's just like put if some we're if we're on. cutting off if we're cutting Brian Bayo's career short at just half of his rookie season, then no, mm-hmm. I'm taking Porcello. But that's because yeah. you're not getting anything out of Bayo at that point. Yeah. So with um with Porcello, let's put some respect on his name. By the way, twenty two. He sucks. Twenty two. I love wins, him to death, but he four sucks. losses. 315 ERA for a full season. For 2016. A, how about the yes. how about 2015? How uh, was he in 2017, Robert? 
2017. Give me the Uh, – let's roll them out. Let's roll out these statistics for – ERA for each of the years, 2015, 492. 2016, 315. 2017, 465. 2018, 428. Uh, 2019, 552, and mm. the small time COVID year with the Mets, 564. Yeah. I'm taking Bayo. <laughs> Damn. He allowed exactly 1,000 hits in his Boston career. See, that's, that's still like it's still a bottom of the rotation starter. Like it, that's a guy who can interchange with anybody who will be reliable as a number five. Mm-hmm. But. If you're going to ask me if I'm going to take Brian, why I, I would take Brian Bayo over Rick Porcello, Bayo's have a, had a promising start to his career. So that we could see a really good starter here. Porcello, we already know what he was. Besides that True. one year where he just became Justin Verlander for a season. True. So with that being said, Adam, you got anything to say to the people before we sign off? 45-minute episode. That's good line. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, go check out the Fumble Rooski podcast. We talk all things football, all the latest. We just finished up our summer, which is one of the slower parts of the season, but we make it work with lots of player rankings, division previews, fantasy football rankings, all that kind of stuff. But that's over. We're now into the main event. Preseason is almost over, and we are opening days right around the corner on September 7th. Cannot wait. Go check us out. We are going to take you through the full season. This is the only NFL podcast that you will need. Very good. And you guys are putting on an episode tomorrow, correct? Yes. We are going to do um, – I forget off the top of my head, but um, more preview stuff. I think yeah, we're, this- we're doing some more preseason takeaways and then uh, some fantasy football rankings. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Um, I'll, I'll try and be there. So you might hear me on that episode. But that being said, thank you guys so much for listening or watching this episode. God bless each and every one of you. And I will see you guys next time. I know you feel like you want me. And I guess in a way you do. All of my breath are reveling emotions. Some space to think this through Call me on night alone Try to give you hints in a heart to see Right on the line, no Losing in on you is the last thing I need I'm honest, I'll just make you cry with you
Oh uh-huh. 